Welcome back to the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. This is Rami, and we have a real treat for you. We are joined by Kali Sweeney of the Downtown Boxing Gym Youth Program in Detroit. Kali does not usually do interviews, and he granted us a favor and let us in on some of his passion for the kids and the big why for the boxing gym. And let me give you a little hint. His why has to do with his incredible testimony that he so humbly discusses. Stay tuned to the end for a great Detroit artist and song. Now in this episode, we're changing it up a little bit. We have some new voices of the youth engaging with our show for the fun fuels. For all of our Jensen fans, don't worry. He's just making room for some of the great kids out there to have a chance to participate. If you have a son or daughter that would like to take part in the fun fuels, email us at bonfires at Gingrass Global. That's bonfires at G-I-N-G-R-A-S-G-L-O-B-A-L dot com. So our guest today for the fun fuel is Carter Hazen of Midland, Michigan. So what do you have for us today, Carter? This is Carter Hazen, and I am bringing you the fun fuel for this episode. I did some research on boxing and came up with some interesting facts. In 1741, a man named Jack Fountain, also known as the father of boxing, inspired better rules and equipment for the boxing community after he mortally wounded his opponent on accident in one of his matches. These new rules and equipment were an incredible improvement from the original accounts of boxing dating back to the Roman Empire, where boxers would use weapons and rawhide to protect their hands. Crazy, right? Thus, after all of Jack Fountain's efforts, the boxing glove was born in 1865. Almost 40 years later, the sport of boxing held its first match at the St. Louis Olympic Games. Fast forward over a century, the sport continues to thrive thanks in part to Jack Fountain and giving rise to many famous boxers like Muhammad Ali. I hope you enjoyed this fun fuel. Enjoy the episode. Thank you, Carter. Wow. Boxing and boxing gloves have come a long way. (laughs) Goodness. Now, before we drop into my conversation with Kali, I'd like to point out that we did an episode in season one with his right hand, Jessica, who he refers to in our discussion. She talks about the history of the boxing gym. And just as a recap, Kali is the founder and president of the organization. He was the visionary behind the concept of a boxing organization for the youth in the surrounding neighborhoods of Detroit. But he had an ulterior motive. He wanted to provide a safe place for the kids to be educated after school. Anyone who has spent any amount of time at the gym will hear him say these words, books before boxing. Let's drop in now on part of my conversation with Kali. Kali, how did you land on the fact that books would be so important over boxing? Um, It was obvious because a lot of kids are going through the same thing that I went through as a child. I was actually passed through school, I mean, my whole lifetime in school, not even knowing how to read or write. I couldn't read or write. Couldn't spell, barely knew the months of the year. And in 2016, kids are still going through the same thing. I I find kids that are being straight-A students, and when you actually ask them to spell something or read something, they can't do it. You know, we find out when you test them, 
they're actually testing at a second grade level and they're in high school. So, you know, that was that was one of the things from when I started working with some of the kids in the community. It started out just trying to give them a safe place to go to get them off the streets. And I realized that they're going through the same problem. So it's definitely books before boxing. That's the most important thing. So boxing took a, a back seat to everything. At that point, it was all about education. And I know boxing really attracts them here, but how do you get the kids to open up and how do you start to dialogue with them about letting them know how important it is and let them open up when they might feel super vulnerable about that? One of the things um, I, I found out, you know, later on in life, uh, I had the opportunity to read something about, by um, uh, a philosopher. He said, you can find out more about a person in an hour of play than you can a lifetime of questioning. So when you're in that relaxed environment, you can ask some of the certain questions and you can get an answer from it. And so they'll open up to you once they, uh, you know, you just got to basically be honest with them. And it's like when you're having fun and you're boxing and you're training and you're learning the discipline, you know, they'll open up to you and tell you a lot of things that they wouldn't normally tell you. I think, too, they're looking at somebody who they can re- relate to and you you can sometimes share your story to help them open up. Yeah, yeah. I, I always give my testimony. I, I have no problem with it. You know, a lot of people say to me, like, well, you know, well, why would you tell people that you couldn't read? You know, because that's my testimony. That's what I had to give back to my community and give back to our kids. And if I have to, you know, put it on the line to do it, I'll do it uh, gladly every time. And I can yeah. tell kids not to go down a certain path. You know, it's to help out there and, uh, and not learn, not knowing how to read and write. You know, for me, when you tell me I couldn't read or write or I found out I couldn't read or write or I found out that I was failing in school, I took it as a death sentence. You know, a lot, a lot of people told me, you know, you'd be dead before you 21. Mm. And so it was like a death sentence to me. So I'm like, why try anything else then? So I just basically gave up on life. And so a lot of kids doing that now, they, you know, they can't read, they can't write. They feel like they're going to be the butt of all the jokes. And what they'll do is they'll just give up to the and get themselves to the streets. So it's not a death sentence. You can always find help. You just need to, you know, know where to find it. It have to be available to you. So one of the things is I want to put something in a place where they can get that kind of help and where, you know, you don't have to, you know, just give up on life. Yeah, or or feel like you've only got w- one or two paths mm-hmm. to succeed. Like there's a lot of different ways to succeed in life, but sometimes the hope uh, diminishes and you don't feel like there's any other options for you. So, you know, one of the things that we we um been doing now is uh, um, teaching kids or exposing kids to stuff that they wouldn't normally get exposed to. This summer they had the opportunity to do um, robotics and computer coding. Uh, some of them went to horseback riding camp. Some of them went uh, mountain climbing in Colorado. They did stand-up paddle boarding. They, you know, they, they, they did a lot of different things, you know, and they got exposed to a lot of different things. They, they did mock trials in the federal court system. And so they got exposed. They got exposed to a lot of things. It was, so now we have an enrichment program. We call it. I like the word enrichment because mm-hmm. it actually enriches the kids' lives and, and it brings something to the table that they normally wouldn't be exposed to in their day-to-day life at school. Yeah. And how many kids do you have now? I believe it's over 170, wow. and we have over 700 on the waiting list. So. Yeah, I think last time uh, I was here about a year and a half ago, uh, Jessica said there was about 350 on a wait list at that point. So it just keeps growing. I can only imagine. You'd probably put another 1,000 on there, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't want to put kids on a waiting list. You know, that's the, prob- yeah. that's, that's the problem. You know, when you have these kids sitting around in, at home with nothing to do, they find trouble or trouble finds them. So I, I don't want to, you know, life has no uh, waiting list. No, life has no pause button. You can't put their life on pause, something to come into their life. So I would definitely want them to find some type of positive uh, place like this or any other positive place that we can recommend for them. Yeah, it used to be about $1,000 to sponsor a kid. Is it about the same? I want to let the listeners know how they can help. 
with the with the growth that we had, you know, we we're in a, a different facility now, a bigger facility. Um, the cost of it is going up because we have uh, actually have a, a, another paid staff member. You know, we ha- actually have two more vans now that go out and pick up more kids. So you know, the, the cost is going up just a little bit, but it's not that much. You know, to 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 take a kid from a straight F student to turn a kid into a straight A student and graduate on time. You know, 100% of our kids have been graduating on time and going to college or trade schools or whatever the case may be. Um, so there's no price to put on that. So. That's right. <laughs> That's a good word. Good marketing right there. We saw the other vans out there. That's exciting. Um, so for people who don't live in this area, why are vans important around here? Um, we have a... Um, uh, outdated transportation system here in the city. What they're doing a good job of trying to rebuild it right now, which is good. But still, a lot of our kids live in some remote parts of the city, and um, on the outskirts of the city, and they have to get here. And uh, it's not always the uh, safest way to travel by bus or whatever the case may be. And a lot of their parents don't have transportation themselves. So um, the vans are very important to getting the kids here and getting them off the streets and giving them a place to go. Yeah, and it's mostly, is it still mostly after school that you're trying to connect with them, right? They're going during the day and Yep. So um, it's after school. It's four to seven, Monday through Friday. It's free of charge. So there's no cost. All of our kids must do community service, though. They have to do community service. It's a big part of it. And it's books before boxing. Um, you don't get a chance to compete anything unless you get your grades in a position where we can, you know, mm. track you. And what kind of community service do you typically have them um, working on? We do a lot of stuff. We do a lot of stuff with like uh, gleaners and um, forgotten harvest. You know, we go out and pick food for the hungry here in Michigan a lot. Um, we do a lot of um, neighborhood cleanups and stuff like that. So, yeah. and anything else, if you got something for us to do, call us. <laughs> All right, I'm sure there's a lot of joint projects out out there. All right. So what's what's been one of the things that um, has surprised you about the kids as you started this, either with the school or the boxing? Is anything surprised you about what the kids have achieved or? Um, what surprised me the most is that, you know, a lot of kids came here with this um, impression that they're going to be a, a famous fighter or something, but they left knowing that they can be doctors and lawyers and stuff like that. So, so for me to change their mind of mindset of thinking that you're going to be some famous athlete, which happens rarely in history, you know, I mean, that's just, those are rare occasions that people become famous athletes, but if you put education as plan A and not plan B, you can always become a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, you know, something like that. You know, we just want to, you know, architects. We have kids that that um, that um, are in medical school now. We have kids that, you know, had an opportunity to go to uh, the College of Creative Studies and, and, and different places and uh, good universities all across the country. So it's cool to see that. Well, yeah. You don't, I, you don't often see a professional fighter. Right. Or... Many would say they don't live as long as they could if that's their main thing. Right, right. You know, boxing is a short-lived career. You know, you're ready for retirement at 30. Right. You know, you know, I know some some doctors and stuff. They still going. That's right. Still making money. That's right. Or even serving. Right. Yeah. It's a way to help serve others. All right. Well, that's exciting. And how many kids have gone through the program now so far? Uh, right offhand, I don't know the number, but you can ask Jessica. She, okay. does. she definitely has the numbers for you. Yeah, Jessica's been a real blessing, hasn't she? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she, she's the lifeblood of this organization. <laughs> she's, she, She'd say she, the same thing about you. Oh, no, no. That, that, that lady's up all day and night working on this thing. Yeah. She sacrificed a lot. Yeah. Well, she's inspired. She's inspired by it. Well, what are the things that you're um, working on, dreaming about for the kids these days? Um. Well, for, me, for, for, for the gym right now, the, the most important thing is making sure that the building is, um, uh, you know, in a 
where it needs to be as far as like uh, the roof and you know we don't want to keep spending a lot of money on on it um, like utilities you know when the building is not really the roof is not really insulated like it should be the built the bricks are not insulated so we want to get this building insulated so we can stop bleeding money in yeah. utilities yeah okay. so we have to get this building insulated so that would be priority number one priority number one is to get the building insulated and fix that roof. Is someone working on that for you right now? Um, we're working on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know how that goes as an entrepreneur. I'm doing it. Yeah. We're shaking the can right now. <laughs> okay. All right. And what else? What's beyond that that you envision? I know um, you dream about things for the kids. You know, it's just more enrichment things. I, I, I was happy to do this enrichment stuff this this summer where we actually had an opportunity to send a lot of kids out to learn stuff, to sit down with professionals. And like I said, to do mock trials in the federal court system. Mm-hmm. If we can get some more stuff like that going, that would be wonderful. It would be awesome if we can get, get them in some tech-based companies or something like that. Or, you know, that's what I would like to see. So Jessica handles most of the uh, administrative stuff. She handles a lot of the strategic planning in that. I know your eyes are on the kids. What is your main concern that you're trying to make sure the kids say that they get here? Just make sure that they get here safely. They learn how to do it, deal with conflicts uh, in, a, in, a, in a manner that's not uh, violent. Um, teach them about, uh, you know, the importance of walking away from certain situations and, and, and being and surround themselves with the right people. Uh, people of the same mindset of getting forward and I mean going forward and doing positive things in their life and, and, and staying away from negative crowds and negative vibes. So I'm just yeah. I'm basically teaching life lessons to kids and, and if if I have to use myself as an example, then I tell them about it all the time. So they yeah. don't have to go down that path. Yeah, I mean I mean sometimes people just don't have someone speaking the truth to them, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that they see, uh, imagery that they see on uh, TV and you know throughout the day, and and, and then their day-to-day lives is like you know it's all based off of um, a lot of it is based off of uh, the lack of knowledge of what's really going on. And if you if you peel back it peel it back just a little bit, you can find out what's really going on in truth. If you if you look out there for it, you know the internet is not just used for watching videos. You can use the internet for to gain information and stuff, you know, so we have to point them to some of the right websites and stuff like that instead of just always negative websites of people fighting or doing something ridiculous or talking about negative stuff. You know, we can talk about positive things and look at other parts of the world and maybe one day you can go there and travel there and do some of these things. So yeah. that's what I like to do, I, you know, because I, I, I grew up with guys who haven't been off the block. These guys are in the same spot that I left 20, 30 years ago, and they're standing in the same spot talking about the same things. And they're basically, if they're not in prison, they're in prison themselves in, in a four-block radius. They're in the same neighborhoods doing the same thing as they were doing 20 years ago. And I, I would hate to see another generation go down that path. Yeah. And is that how you started to get interested in maps and bridges and some of that? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, it's like... Uh, I had to open my mind and, and, and stop just looking at the, the stuff that was around me and start thinking about what else is in the world. And my, my older brother was a big part of telling me that. He's like, the world is bigger than your neighborhood, man. You have to get out of this neighborhood. The world is bigger than that. And at the time when he said it, I was thinking to myself, like, shut up. I don't want to hear that fantasy yeah. talk. You know what I mean? The world is right here. And, and, and then one day I really looked around. And it was like it was nothing there. It was like it was nothing. It was like hopelessness. It was despair. It was no resources. There was nothing around me. So... You know, and it took him to actually get me to come to his house, and he showed me a picture at his house, and it was like all of my friends. He told me, he said, all of your friends are either dead or in jail. Mm-hmm. All your friends are either dead or in jail. And he took me to his house and told me to help him move some stuff around at his house. And when I was moving it, he said, look at that picture. And it was like all of my friends, and most of these guys were dead or in jail or on the run, you know, about to be going to prison. So 
So it took it took him to really open my eyes to it. So I'm trying to open a lot of these kids' eyes to what's really going on. If they really look, they're losing friends at a crazy rate. You know, they friend, a lot of their friends are getting murdered now. You know, we have kids here, or small kids, who've, who've seen guys with their heads blown off already. And, they, you know, this looks like they're living in a war zone. Oh, yeah. But so we want to we wanna steer them away from that type of stuff. You know? so. Yeah. Do the kids know that you have a passion for maps and bridges and... I, I, don't, I don't think so. You know, they, they may come in my office every now and then. I don't think they pay attention to it. But <laughs> No, I love I love bridges and I love to travel and I love, you know, just meeting different cultures and different people, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, so we do too at Gingrass Global. <laughs> we go around, <laughs> go around the world. We have an opportunity. We have listeners okay. in 90 countries, so okay. our listeners will be happy to hear that you like. <laughs> if, you're, if you're in Poland, Jindobre. If you're in if you're in Macedonia, Zravo. <laughs> wow, you do. We do actually have listeners in some of those cities, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. If you're in the Middle East, Mahaba. Yeah. Wow. Sabah clear if it's morning, Sabah clear if it's afternoon. Wow. That's greetings in a lot of different cultures. I know that from my travel. Wow, well done. Well, that's impressive. That just threw me off, I gotta admit. So. <laughs> yeah, we can keep going. Yeah. Now are any of your international um, connections helping to support here? Oh, we have a lot of uh, Good organizations that are that are reaching out, you know, doing their part, you know. But it's always, you know, it's always we can use some more help all the time. Yeah. You know? People are, you know, they, they're running companies and they can't just uh, give all their resources away. They have to still maintain their business. But at the same time, they we do get support from a lot of different organizations. Uh, you can go on our website and see a list of names. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will. We want to give them a shout out. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't want to miss anybody. That's right. Right. <laughs> All right. So what is there anything else that you'd like to share um, about this organization with someone who might not have heard of it before? Mm, I think we covered it. Thank you so much, Kali, for spending a little bit of time with us. You are an incredible inspiration. If anyone out there feels inspired to financially support them, understand you can save lives. Go to their website and go for it. Or if you're a local Detroit resident, buy a ticket to one of their competitions. I promise you'll be amazed at the talent. We hope and pray that many stories come from the kids that attended this organization and that lives are transformed. Okay, time to close it out with another great artist provided to us by our friends at Assemble Sound of Detroit. Please meet Chad Roto with his song, Middle of Love. Until next time, keep those bonfires burning. <laughs>